Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are uh, developing a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And part of that is making sure that everyone has access to some of the best product managers in the business and some of the best ideas of how to succeed in product management. And here today, we are talking about death to PRDs. Pretty controversial title. I posted on LinkedIn to see if anybody else wanted to join us and got some comments where people are weighing in as to whether and why uh, there should be death to PRDs product requirement documents. And so... We are joined by Sawmill. So first, well, actually, we're joined by Sumeya and Red, the regular band who's here every single week. And today's guest is Sawmill. So Sawmill, tell us a little bit about your journey in product before we start teasing product requirement documents and why people should tune into this conversation. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Jeff, for inviting me here. Uh, so my at least journey to product management happened to be as part of, I was frustrated with the regular corporate world of doing a consulting job. And I thought, oh no, I need to build something. And I ended up sort of leaving my job in the middle and started a company, which was an online education company. And that's how I was introduced to the world of, okay, let's build something that solves problem for the users. And that's how I started. And since then, yeah, I've never looked back. I've just been part of product management for almost 13 plus years. I've enjoyed being in this area and I'm looking forward to the debate on the PRD, what people have to think and certainly bring in my experience with it. All right. Thank you for joining us. And also as an aside, thank you for your volunteer work that you've done with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator as we're working together to empower professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first PM role. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your help before. And Red, I think we're going to get some blood in the water. And so it's up to you to tell people how they can engage in today's conversation. And before you do that, of course, I know they've heard you if they're fans, but we took three weeks off and I think these are all new people here. So tell us why on earth are you involved in this conversation? <laughs> I have you to only thank or blame Jeff, depending on how we want to look at it. But for all those who are not aware, Jeff had invited me to have the opportunity to partake in, I guess, Jeff, as you would call it, right, starting the first ever product management center at University of Washington, focusing on making product management an area, a focus, a study for people that historically were not finding it easy to get into. And so it was an easy decision for me, having spent the last decade of my life focusing on working with product managers. So yes, I was in the hot tub, the proverbial hot tub of project manager awesomeness. And uh, over the last year, we built out a almost 58 episodes of a podcast week over week here in Clubhouse, where we record our conversation and then we put it out there for all those who could not make it today. So if you're listening to this and you want to get involved, one, every Tuesday, 4 p.m., on Clubhouse, you can find how to succeed in product management. Two, we also have a Slack community we created. Thousands of Slack community members that are all like you. No one's selling anybody on anything. We're just here to help each other get involved and get connections. 
So if you're someone who's interested, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, reach out to Jeff or Sumeya and just say, hey, I want to get more involved. And then obviously, we are always looking for incredible speakers, people that are looking to share their stories and express their opinions about things like PRDs. So if you're excited to listen to today's conversation, well, welcome. And if you're not, well, then give us a chance. You may never know. Your friends, your family, someone you didn't think previously possible could actually become a PM. And Jeff, maybe one day I could become a PM. Back to you. All right. Uh, Red's very humble. He was invited to the White House because he created the largest tech meetup here in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. And so he is a community guy. And he said, we need to bring be where the community is at here on Clubhouse. And we met Sumeya over a year and a half ago. I think this is almost a year and a half exactly. And Sumeya is here every single week. And you kicked off this topic when we had a how to write better PRDs. And you just kind of I don't want to say lost it because that's uh, <laughs> demeans what happened there, but you definitely had some passion going into it. So I'd love to hear from you, Sumeya. What is a PRD so people can understand what a product requirement document is and what it's supposed to do? And then tease us a little bit as to why you feel so strongly about them. Yeah, thank you so much. This is one of the, the topics that I think I feel passionate about, like you said. And so, uh, you know, taking the time to talk about it today is a privilege. So thank you all for being here. PRDs or product requirement documents are something that a lot of companies use to communicate requirements and the reason behind building software or building solutions and the details of what those solutions are. Many PRDs have different sections, but what they tend to have in common is one, that they're long, and two, they keep reappearing and getting updated over time. Imagine the code that goes into building your software. As it gets more complex, so would your PRD over time. You get processes introduced to help you, for example, manage <laughs> PRDs. It can be a very effective communication device. I've seen people use it effectively, and there is a place for it. I'm not saying it should be killed in every single situation. But the argument I'd like to make is that this is a very costly piece that's produced by PMs and actually a lot of people on the team participate and in the organization participate in its creation. And more questions should be asked about its relevance in every situation. So as it is with anything that costs a lot, I think we should be questioning its presence more. And it tends to be one of those things that people do by default. And I don't see enough questions about it or people asking about whether people are actually using it the way it's intended to be. Again, it's a truly an alignment and communication device, but not every situation needs it. Not every executive reads it. Not every team member goes to it, back to it. And so, again, the question I'd like more of us PMs to ask is, is the PRD the right thing to use in every situation? And if not, what is the, the right solution to use? This is one of those awkward moments. Apologies, folks. Oh, that's so sad. I had a whole monologue, man. You'd think <laughs> I'm oh, better no. than this by that. Jeff, Jeff, listen to me. 
Listen to me. There's always that one person that we all shake our heads at in Zoom that forgets to turn themselves off. Oh my off goodness. That was me. Oh. We're going to cut the silence from the podcast, but we're going to keep just a little bit so people know that I'm still doing it a year and a half in. Sama, let's hear from you. Give a retort on Sumeya. What do you think for, on what she said? Yeah. So at least my opinion on that is, right, product requirement, Doc, as Sumeya said, right, it's a pretty effective in creating some sort of a common understanding between all stakeholders, whether you talk about design, engineering, devs, marketing, sales, whatnot. And I certainly follow, even in my current organization, we have a product requirement doc. But is that we create in a traditional way? Certainly not. Is it a lengthy document? Certainly not. It's like it, it will be a waste of time. Nobody's going to read it. But there are some specific aspects about the product requirement doc that is I strongly believe I must have to explain the why of it, talk about the user problem, and get into some of the details as well, which I can talk about it. I definitely think product requirement doc has to be the starting point to get anything meaningful done. Because communication in general, I feel, is one such thing that more you do, the better it is. And once it's written, it becomes so much more effective. But yeah, it should not be lengthy for sure. All right. So Samuel articulates the purpose and what he hopes to accomplish it. Mark has been also uh, an amazing super volunteer with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, recently acknowledged by one of the fellows who just got their first product management job, which we love to see. Mark, thanks for playing an instrumental role in her life and in so many others. And thanks for being here. So where do you stand on product requirement documents? My goodness. Someone needs to work on the PRD for the Clubhouse app. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just spent the last 10 minutes trying to figure out how to unmute myself. Anyway, all right. So I've used PRDs pretty extensively in my past. In particular, when I was at Park, uh, we used PRDs a lot. And we used them with Confluence. And they hooked into Jira. And I thought they were pretty great. But like any tool, you have, you have to use the tool correctly. and so. I think that you know, all the points that uh, Sumeya made were certainly very valid. But I think at the end of the day, as a product manager, whatever you're working on, whether it's large or small, you need to have some kind of sense of what is the goal of what you're doing. And you have to have some kind of sense of how you're going to measure your success against that goal. And then there needs to be some kind of way to communicate with the or actually for all of the teams to communicate with each other about what sort of projects they're going to pursue in order to achieve the goals and hit the metrics. And this could be done in this spreadsheet. I've seen it done in a Google Doc. I've seen it done at the other extreme in, in, in Confluence, which is a fancy online app. But I think this is the purpose of the PRD. And I often have considered it to be uh, the source of truth. In other words, what is it that the team is focused on? What are the priorities of the team? And I think if you look at it that way, it could, it could be handy. I found that other forms of communication can sometimes proliferate. You'll have all kinds of different docs with different plans and strategies and you know, different teams or engineers are gonna be working on all these sort of diverse uh, projects, but you know, that can be confusing and it can create some chaos. And so I look at the, the PRD as like um, one mechanism to bring it all together. Yeah, plus one to Mark's point, right, regarding the format of the documentation. Really, it doesn't matter what is that document, what is that format. I've used Word to Mark's point. I'm now in, in our company, we use Confluence. But as long as it answers those critical questions, 
about the why, why we need to do something, why we need to invest now, what are the success metrics, talk about the user problems and some beyond other things that we are not trying to address, then I think it's completely fine. But there has to be a one agreed documentation format so that all product managers, at least within that org or company or whatever, are following the same format. One living document, anyone can go and find out what somebody is trying to work for a specific area. I think that, that is something is must have, I feel. All right. So, Sumeya, we have Mark and Samuel each sharing a little bit about why they like PRDs and what they like about them. I'd love for you to chime in about what you see as an alternative. What would you rather see people do or how could they be salvaged? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I have seen work when PMs actually take the time to figure out what is needed is different communication tools that help them get alignment through. Everything from memos on a different phase of the product or a different offering of a product to strategy documents that tie in then directly to a backlog. So, and that actually is my favorite. If I was to pick an alternative to PRDs that I think works well in a lot of scenarios, it would be a strategy document with very clear outcomes aligned to it. It's mostly focused on the why we need to do this and the outcomes it achieves. We don't actually talk in it about any features. And that ties in then to a well-organized backlog that has epics with outcomes, you know, tied to them. And then detailed feature lists and detailed user stories that then tie up all the way to the strategy. And that backlog then ties up to code. So ultimately, the only source of truth that matters is in your code and in your backlog. The rest is a communication mechanism for people who need to collaborate with your engineers and need to collaborate with the people working on the product. So I've seen many different formats. I've experimented with many different formats. And I think the more PMs are willing to think of something other than the PRD, because the PRD document in itself has so many sections. Some of them I don't think are even needed in most scenarios, but people have just learned what a perfect PRD looks like. And it has in it so much waste that has been carried from one company to the next, to the next, to the next. And now you look at PRDs as these humongous documents that require so much time to manage. So our pro PRD... (laughs) That's a lot of peas. Samuel and Mark, I'm curious if you agree if there's sections of a PRD that you've just seen commonly put in there that maybe are not as necessary because of how much time they take to put in there or how little time is spent actually actioning based off of them. Is there any any sections there or parts that you could see could maybe be removed? Yeah, I think maybe the strategy pieces. And so Samantha was talking about how a strategy doc, you can have a strategy doc, and then that, I guess, links to to, to a backlog. Uh, sometimes I've seen strategy pieces in the PRD, and maybe that isn't entirely necessary. I think, though, that I'm of the opinion that you it's helpful to have something in between the strategy doc and, and the backlog. And I suppose it depends on the company that you work at and, and what sort of items are in the backlog. But at least I feel like a strategy doc, a strategy doc is something that's going to be relatively consistent. 
over time. It's going to be very high level. And you're going to use, and you know, hopefully this is not going to be changing very frequently. And if it is, well, then I think that's, that's a problem. On the other hand, the backlogs that I've seen can also be very technical. Uh, these are typically engineering, the list of engineering documents. They might have a lot of minutiae with respect to, you know, different code that's being worked on and, and whatnot. And I think the purpose of the PRD is to kind of serve as an intermediary between the two. So we should have a list of features or, or work streams or projects or however you want to define those sort of units of, of work. Uh, they should relate to actual people problems or user stories, and they should be fluid. So they will all be in service of the strategy, which should be relatively constant, as I said, but it's just more, it's more readable. Uh, it can be used for communications with people outside of engineering, whether that be sales or marketing or the executive team, investors, that sort of thing. So I don't know, that's kind of my thoughts on on that. But I, I do like how you may have kind of laid out sort of like the, I mean, if you could think of it as sort of like a, a maybe a, a pyramid of information where, you know, at the top, you've, you've got your strategy. At the bottom, you've got your Jira tickets. And um, I think it's important to have something in the middle. I want to just very quickly clarify something. Thank you so much, Mark, for bringing this up, because sometimes I make assumptions that when I talk about backlog, everyone understand, understands the format and the kind of information that's included in the backlog. And so just a couple of quick points there. One, I think the technologies that we're using today and the tools we're using today for management of backlog has come a long way in many ways, but also not in not much in other ways. But what Jira looks like today, what Agility looks like today, what Pivotal Tracker looks like. There, all these tools have come a long way and they offer us so much in terms of robust reporting and views and tagging and all kinds of information that it's a place where many different people now can come together and understand what's going on. But the second part is what makes a great backlog item. And this is something that I believe in strongly. Every PM on my team believe, you know, believes in and, and does well, which is every single item on the backlog must include three elements. The first one is the why. The why has to be extremely clear. It has to tie in to what the, the, the building or the user story is trying to achieve. The outcome must be very clear. The testability or the acceptance criteria must be clear. And so if you're tying all this stuff already in your user story and, you know, you're starting with the why at the top, it ultimately will tie in to either an epic or a strategy statement somewhere. So again, thanks, Mark, for allowing me to get a little deeper in the definition of stories because I know not every... PM writes stories the same way. Samuel, you came off mute before. Was there something that Mark or Sumeya had said that you want to chime in on? Yeah, I, I was just sort of pointing to Sumeya's point, I think, uh, which was, uh, Mark touched upon it, which was about the pyramid, that yes, there is a strategy aspect, but strategy tends to be, depending on the size of the team, depending on how big is the org, the strategy document can be a much higher level. And then obviously the backlog piece is there, but and then at the bottom is like essentially all those Jira tickets and everything, right? So in between, if there are individual PMs who are trying to drive something, there has to be a way to communicate those aspects around why, what, 
how would you measure and things like that. But it seems like uh, what Sumaya just mentioned, they are sort of incorporating those aspects of a specific feature, everything in the backlog itself. And so maybe it works best for their team. But at the end of the day, I think there has to be a way to communicate. So it's it feels like what Sumaya's team is doing, they are including the why success metric, acceptability criteria, all of that in the backlog itself. And what I think at least I was pointing to that we typically try to follow at least I've seen as a best practice is for every feature you try to have that kind of a living document wherein people can collaborate, come provide comments, ask questions before it you know, takes the form of, before it goes into the backlog itself, where then it, it let's say a dev IC or some other devs pick it up and start working on it. All right. So now, Red, it's time, if you're available, to turn to you to engage. I see we have some comments in the chat and I think we've got some people in the audience who would love to either ask questions or chime in. So tell them how they could do it. Absolutely. So thank you for everybody who's already started asking questions. There's a little bubble here on the bottom left where you can start to put in your questions. We also have an option for hand raising. The only thing is, if you're coming up on stage, sometimes it's a question. Other times they want to add to the amazing conversation. So with that in mind, let's start off with a question and then hand raisers, welcome to the stage. Uh, we'll get to you in just a second. So first question we're seeing here from the chat, and hello, Larry, nice to have you back. Got another shout out for templatizing PRDs in an org. We have a question from Gant. I will not say last names, just to make sure everyone feels comfortable with confidentiality. The question is, what do the speakers see as the relationship between the PRD and the product backlog? Is it complementary? How much overlap, if any? Does the focus shift from the PRD to the backlog over time? So both don't need to be continuously maintained. So it looks like we've got a multi-layered cake over here. So as the speakers, if you're interested in diving into that question, you can see it in the chat. But who'd like to take a crack at this one? Who'd like to take a, a first slice at this, again, two-part question with the first part being the relationship between PRDs and backlogs? Sumeya? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is part of the reason, you know, I think the first time I ever questioned the need for PRD was a moment when I was basically copying and pasting stuff back and forth between the backlog and the document and finding that the software I was using for the backlog allowed for discussion space at the bottom. And it was just a matter of giving my marketing colleague and my legal colleague access to the backlog so they can add commentary as well. And, you know, that was like really the catalyst the first time about 10 years ago when I had that thought of why am I maintaining this information in two places? Why am I doing version control in two places? And I went to my manager at the time and they're like, well, it's because of this SVP. They need to read it and they're really not comfortable in the backlog. But actually, what we're building is the most valuable asset of the company, which is the software. And the only way to basically trace from code, which is the valuable thing we're creating, to something is to go from code to the user stories. There is always that traceability in the way you build up your pipelines, etc. And so between the, the user story and the backlog, then there is the space of a multitude of other documents or possibilities or a PRD that's editable in Microsoft Word or, you know, 
Excel sheet of some kind. And we just found that that's not needed. It was just a matter of training the SVP to come and look at the strategy document that we work on on a quarterly basis, etc. And then the backlog that has the reality of either what's happening on the ground or what we're planning to do eventually, ultimately, etc. And so I'm trying to answer this question by saying the story and the evolution of me even asking this question and promoting other PMs to ask that question actively is because there is a lot of copy and paste that happens between PRDs and Word document and uh, backlogs. And again, it might not work for you and your organization because there are a lot of people already used and have normed around using the PRD to be up to speed, to make decisions, but just ask the question. <laughs> Very helpful context. And I think it gives a lot of the backstory regarding the opinions and thoughts around why. Also, heads up, I'd love to get multiple perspectives here to the second part of the question. And Curtis, I see your hand raised. I, I invited you up. Not sure why Clubhouse is being somewhat tricky. But second part of the question, does the focus shift from PRD to the backlog over time so both don't need to be continuously maintained? I think the intention here is somebody doesn't want to maintain it, which is interesting in the world of continuous learning and building for customers. So Mark or Samuel, what what are your thoughts on this one? Sure. Uh, Well, I think that should you choose to use a PRD, one thing you can do is think of it as a layer of abstraction on top of your backlog. And again, I think this depends on what you have in your backlog and how, and how you, you know, who works with your backlog. But in my previous experience, the, the backlog was kind of the domain of engineering and it did get very nitty gritty. And I'll have to admit that I often had a difficult time understanding all of the different elements that are, were in it. And PRD was the layer on the pyramid that sits on top of the backlog which talked about the actual features, their prioritization, and their relation to whatever your user stories you've put together. Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of, I think the second part of the question has, let me bring it up here, has to do with, does the focus shift from PRD to the backlog? Again, I, I think that depends. I could just speak to my personal experience, and I think the two evolve together. I think that you're going to see more movement on the backlog since it has higher granularity and it typically typically involves like various different smaller sort of engineering tasks and those will be completed or spun up or changed or so forth. Whereas the PRD is typically going to change when you have a rethinking around feature prioritization, which could be a result of, you know, kind of anything, interactions with customers, observations in the market, learning from engineering and so forth. But I think the two move together. And I believe that the backlog should flow from the PRD. In other words, the strategy should inform the PRD, the PRD should inform the backlog. Does that make sense? Samuel, please jump in. Yeah, absolutely. So I think plus one to Mark's comment. But if I have to add to it, I think on the first part, uh, from my experience, again, backlog, the tool, for example, Jira in question, it's largely used by the devs and devs typically try to, and even for their sprint planning, what they're going to build, let's say over the next two weeks, four weeks and whatnot. You do not want to mess up with how the access and how they have, the user stories are created there, what they're going to build 
And if you, let's say in a scenario where backlog or this Jira tool becomes a source of truth for everyone to come in and view the details, there are chances and risk element involved wherein people might come in and just change a few things, even by unconsciously by mistake. And so I think that's one point. The second is, I think in general, the readability of the backlog, even as a PM, I personally have, I don't think so. If I try to get a summary of a specific feature, like what we are doing, what, how we'll measure success, what are the specific user problem, what are the things out of scope for this feature, it would be really hard to get that in one glance. I will have to spend like a lot of time to, in order to get to that and connect those dots together to come up with that each story. And this is just purely based on experience. Maybe the world can change for sure. So I think that's uh, that's on the first part. On the second part, I think the shift off uh, from PRD to backlog, what I've seen is for a given feature, that shift can happen. But then the purpose is different, right? It is more like in the when you're trying to get an agreement on or even align stakeholders on where to invest, what are my top priority items, what are my P0s, what are my P1s, P2s, and uh, just aligning everyone. And if that agreement has happened, then you would see a lot more collaboration between a product manager and the engineer on the backlog tool, whereas let's say Jira on a regular basis when they are working on a sprint. But at the same time, it's possible the product managers have started thinking about either the next new feature or or they are working on multiple features. So they are still living on PRDs. But for a given feature, I think this focus can, in the interim, in a transient state, shift from PRD to backlog while the development is happening. So. Very helpful. Oh, Sumeya, I see you jumped in. And, and Mark, it sounded like there was a, a lot of agreement there, but let's start with Sumeya. <laughs> Just a, a quick point on, on the backlog. I think this is a place where probably you're seeing a divergence in both the use and the, the beliefs around what a good backlog looks like. I believe engineers should not be spending that much time in the backlog. Their craft is in the code. And so truly the backlog is something that the product manager or product owner, whatever that role is in your organization, that's their domain. They use that space in the backlog to communicate up and down about what the priorities are, what are the things that need to be built, why are they being built, and what are the outcomes, and what does success look like. And so I definitely have seen backlogs that are extremely engineering-oriented, and I don't believe those are the most effective backlogs I want to work with, but that's just my personal preference. The backlogs I like to work with are truly product-minded rather than you know engineering-centric. Okay. And then I saw, Mark, you came off mute earlier. Is, is that in response to Sumeya, or do you have something to add for what Sumail said earlier? I do have a thought about something that Sumeya just said with respect to sort of who exists where. Again, just uh, speaking of my personal experience, as the product manager, I kind of lived in the PRD. The project manager or the engineering manager, depending on what sort of title you want to use, was primarily involved with the backlog. And then the engineers were in the code. Although the engineers uh, obviously jumped in and sometimes completed tickets or added stuff to the Jira tickets or whatnot, and that worked well. And I don't want to be a, a commercial for Confluent. And, and by the way, I have no endorsements from uh, Atlassian, so this is just my own opinion. But I didn't really like their, their product because one of the things that the project manager would do is she would put, so we had a PRD and in the PRD, there was a list of features and we prioritized those features. And then in the update section, she would actually add the, the tag for the Epic, which was a Jira, which 
And then inside the backlog, there might be multiple tasks associated with Epic. And what was kind of neat about it is that when when all of the uh, the Jira tickets in the backlog were marked as complete, the Epic would get marked as complete, and that would automatically be updated inside the PRD. And so when I looked at that like list of, of features that we were working on, I would immediately know when something was done was actually great. I mean, I think it made my life easier, and, it, and I felt like it made it easier to sort of communicate with my executive team, who was frequently asking, when are we going to have this? When are we going to have that? And I would have like visibility into that without having to like ask my engineering manager or go to the project manager or dig into the backlog. So I don't know if that helped. And if I were to just add, I think I had uh, experience probably just thinking about it right now, like both sort of worlds wherein what Sumaya was pointing to, where engineers and PMs are heavily collaborating on backlog. But at the same time, PRE was still there though. But this was like when in a smaller company, you cannot afford to have a additional project manager and product manager role sort of involves a lot of project management aspect as well in a startup or in a smaller company. Then it ends up like it becomes a more of a collaborative thing wherein don't want a scenario wherein engineers are spending a lot of time in managing the backlog. But at the same time, you don't want even product managers to spend a lot of time on the backlog or doing the project management stuff. But then in a bigger companies where I worked, I think that things have been very clear, which is like backlog largely driven by like a project managers or it becomes a source of truth for developers who are actually coding. They certainly spend a lot more time on the code, but the product manager always close to PRDs. So. I had imagined this day differently. You see, when I first woke up and I thought to myself, you know, we're going to talk about PRDs and Sumeya was going to be of the opinion that there really wasn't a lot of, I would say, alignment between what Sumeya might consider to be the value of PRDs and potentially our guests. At this point, I don't feel like there's a lot of controversy in the air. I almost feel like we all kind of agree with the philosophy or the approach around how, you know, what it is it's trying to accomplish and how we either utilize or not utilize PRDs. Am I reading that correctly? I don't see a lot of disagreement here. Because Red, at the end of the day, we all need the information that we've been talking about. I mean, good product management requires every piece that, you know, Mark and Somel and I have mentioned so far. Everything from the strategy to the how we're going to do this to why we're doing this to what we're not going to do to the outcomes and it's it's just i think the area where there might be a little bit of divergence is what is the most efficient place to do it and most effective and i think you know sometimes efficiency is not really the most important thing effectiveness and communication and alignment is which is which then depends heavily on culture do you want to train, you know, a thousand people to do something differently than what they're used to doing? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Reed Hastings in his uh, book around the no rules rules, it talks a lot about how he shifted his organization in a way to to continue innovating by removing rules. But even he did that slowly. So I like to talk about this topic because I want 
more of us to question the status quo around some of the processes we do in product management, but I also realize that it's something that takes time, and especially if you're working in a large organization, might not even be possible. Definitely very helpful. Thank you. Although, to be very frank, when I wake up in the morning and think about our clubhouse and podcast evenings, I'm always asking myself, will this be the day that product managers disagree? Will there be, in fact, blood (laughs) in the water? So with that in mind, I do see another, well, I don't see a question, but I do see a plus one for acceptance criteria and uh, stirring up controversy. Before I love to do this, uh, we don't have any more questions in queue, so I'm going to bring it back to Jeff. But before I do, there is still this big question in mind. If you join an organization, you're new, and PRDs is a mountain of new for you, right? It's brand new. You've never worked in an organization. Again, the whole goal of this group and these conversations is to help open that door for people who never considered becoming a PM. What would be the key takeaway, the key feeling you'd want them to have when they're facing this mountain? Is it one of disgust, like, oh, gosh, This is just a bad idea. Why would they do PRDs? Or is it one of opportunity to really learn how to become what makes a great PM? If you could give advice to someone who just joined a PRD organization, what would that advice be? Let's start with Sumeya. Yeah, absolutely. I would say you're starting, you're a brand new PM. Have your manager show you an example of the best PRD. And by best, if you were to clarify to them what best means, it's a PRD for a winning product where everyone, where the PRD basically was a place that got a lot of alignment. You know, marketing said, oh, this was great. Thank you. Uh, Legal said this was great. Thank you. And everyone in the organization was able to use that document to to be on the same page around certain aspects of the product. So start with an example that has worked in that organization. Learn from it because the most important part of the PRD You know, the document takes mythical proportions when you're starting. To your point, Red, yes, it's a big hill you have to to traverse. But the parts in it, the different sections in it, is really where the hard work comes in. And then getting feedback and refining it and making it better over time is where you're going to get a lot of skill. Understanding what to include and what to exclude is something also you learn over time. But it gives you, you know, it gives you an, an opportunity to showcase some of your skills because at the end of the day as a product manager, the product, what your team builds is truly a manifestation of great product management. But if you were to pick on one or two things that you yourself are going to create in that process or in service of that, PRD is usually one of them. And then updates and, you know, drum beats or whatever, the cadence stuff that you do around communication are the others. Everything else is soft skills. So, PRD is considered one of those hard skills that you acquire as a PM and that's are more important. Very helpful. Thank you. Samil, what about you? Yeah, if I have to just add to Sumaya, I think as a new person, in addition to getting the sample for the PRDs, I guess the best next thing you can do is quickly find some mentors, right? Whether they are product managers within the team or they are outside your team in a different group, but having them would really, really help a lot as you try to 
understand what you're supposed to do with a PRD. How do you go about even sort of writing one? Who are going to be the stakeholders? What are some of the best practices? Certainly do that. Means beside PRD, I'm sure having a mentor would help in so many other things if you're a new person in an organization. And the, the last point I would say is, although it's a hard skill, PRD, but I think at the end of the, the objective is a soft skill, which is how can you communicate effectively? I Means that's the the most, most important skill for any PMs, right? Whatever you're thinking, whatever you've written, whatever you've learned, how you can effectively communicate. I and mean, you do it through PRD or you do it through other mechanism, doesn't matter. But yeah, the end goal is the soft skill is being able to communicate effectively. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And we got thumbs up and hearts over here. Love that. It doesn't translate to a podcast, but want the folks out there listening in to know that our PMs are getting along, as I did not expect. I got to tell you, Jeff, there will be controversy, but today will not be it. Before we go back to Jeff, Mark, what about your addition? I mean, got a lot of really strong advice about how to survive joining a PRD org. What's your take in what should be in their Bear Grylls backpack? Survival. Yeah, kit. sure. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thanks, Red. And uh, just as a point of clarity, so you are a PM and you join a new org that uses PRDs and you're not familiar or you, you haven't historically used PRDs? Is that? That would be absolutely correct. Okay, great. So, yeah, I think my first bit of advice would be to, you know, just chill. It's a tool, like, you know, many different tools and tools can be learned. And, you know, as Everyone has said, you know, this is just a vehicle for communicating your ideas. I loved all the suggestions. I think I, I would just add maybe one, and that is to not, you know, whether you, you like the tool or you don't like the tool, uh, your job is not about the tool. And, you know, sometimes, like, especially those who love tools, and, and I kind of love tools myself for what it's worth, but uh, you can kind of fall in love with the tool or you can get wrapped around the axle with respect to the tool, but your job is not about the tool. Right, the tool is the, your means for doing the job. So don't forget about what it is that you actually are supposed to be doing, which is understanding the product that's being built, why you're building it, who are the customers, what are their pain points, how are you solving these pain points, how do you prioritize what you're building, what is the competition, you know, all of that product management stuff, blah 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 blah. Right, all of that uh, should manifest itself inside whatever tool you're using to sort of communicate what it is the team is going to build and how they're going to prioritize what they're building. And so, yeah, I would say just don't lose sight of actual job that you're supposed to be doing by over-focusing on the tool. Interesting. You know, it's, it's, when you put it as don't just focus too much on the tool, I think that is a really smart takeaway that ties together everyone else. The advice just in general today, which is when you approach any software at any company, any tool that they use, any process, be very inquisitive. Always ask questions, ask for examples. And, you know, geeking out on one tool, I can guarantee you when you move on to your next role, there will be very different requirements at that company. So you might have PRD today and then the next time, PRFAQ, and then the next time it's just, uh, I don't know, PR zebras, Sumeya, who knows? The future is bright for animal name methodology. I'm all for that. <laughs> New stuff. That's where, right. Where did you just take the? I go silent for a couple of minutes and you start talking PR zebras? Yes, because Jeff, your roadmap should be black and white. PR zebra. Uh, no? Uh, no? <laughs> I don't know. 
But it's a great time to transition to concluding thoughts. I want to give Sumeya a chance to see, did she get what she was hoping for? I know Red says declared it controversy-free, but Sumeya, what, did you get what you were coming for? And any concluding thoughts on your thesis of death to PRDs? <laughs> well, the title is Controversial. Really, the reason why I I like having this discussion is just to allow that sense of curiosity that's very much part of our DNA as PMs to extend itself to things we take for granted in terms of our craft. And so I think if uh, people come away from this discussion with just, you know, a chance and an opportunity in the future for them to ask, why am I doing this in my process? Why am I writing stories this way? Why am I, you know, doing testing this way? Why am I doing PRD this way? I think that's a win because the asking why is always a good place to start when you want to see innovation, when you want to see doing things better happen in the organization. So that's really my goal for this. And and I want to say for people who are still doing PRDs, it's not a bad thing as long as you also understand why you're doing it. What is the goal of it? Is it an opportunity for you to do what you do well, which is around alignment and communication? And so also ask why. Don't take anything for granted. All right. Thank you. Samil, any concluding thoughts or bite-sized takeaways you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I think just understand, one, know the rules of the game in the team that you're working with and question, as Sumeya rightly said, before you change the rules. So yeah, just focus on the end purpose, right? And and try to change, question and change along as you create your credibility and as you learn more. So. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. And again, thanks for volunteering with the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And Mark, any concluding thoughts or bite-sized takeaways you want to leave the audience with? I thought Sumeya actually wrapped it up really well. So I think that I will hustle on what she said and maybe just maybe just point out that I'm a fan of PRDs. I kind of always have been. But, you know, the exercise of kind of questioning, you know, why are you doing this? And is this actually worthwhile is helpful. I think that it's helpful to, to, you know, one is to just kind of formalize your thinking around why it is that you're doing something. If you don't have the formalized thinking around why you're doing something, then, you know, that that could be a recipe for trouble. And, you know, and there always is the opportunity to maybe look at things a little bit differently, maybe change your mind, do something in a different way. Because if you can't really, you know, defend whatever practices that you're undertaking, whether that be PRDs or anything for that matter, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. So I think it's a healthy exercise and I'm really glad we had an opportunity to do this. I am glad as well, and I'm glad that all of you were able to join us in listening and that the three of you were able to join us in discussing this. So I'll just close with the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. We host these conversations every single week here on Clubhouse, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and then it's available on a podcast that you could download on every major podcasting app the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast. The reason we do this is, one, it's super fun. (laughs) I love hanging out with Red, Sumeya, and some of the best product managers in the world. 
And also because the three of us put in this time every week is because we really want to make knowledge and community more accessible to a broader group of people. And so we're here every week to make knowledge and community more accessible. And then we also here at the University of Washington have the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And we have reviewers at the moment deciding who will be. Uh, we had 13 hundred applications in just the three-day window, and we, our applicant reviewers, are deciding who will be the next fall cohort of the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, which aims to empower professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first PM role. And so we've seen Mark and Samuel help out and a bunch of others, and we rely on volunteers. So please, please, please Google Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And if you are here and have some great advice to share with the next generation of product managers, please sign up to volunteer. This year, we're doing things a little differently. We're having some volunteer info sessions, and some are coming up this Friday and uh, every other Friday. So we'd love to get you involved as we work to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. 